Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Rolling with Disadvantage, the D&D podcast where we won't be playing D&D. As always, I am your host, Tyler. And I am your co-host, <laughs> RWD is our podcast where we argue, debate, and count into the void. One, two, three, uh, uh, uh. You had to go up to five because it's fifth edition we're talking about. But that is where we stop the good ones, right? One, two, three, five. <laughs> Feel free to join the conversation by tweeting us at RWD Podcast or following us at RWD underscore podcast on Instagram. Uh, you got you got right into it. You put on the funny voice, but um, I don't know. <laughs> well, so normally normally we, we start every show by talking about something nonsensical and segueing our way into the topic. But I've noticed that with these adventures, we can't do that. We only have so much time. I did want to ask you if you intend if you intend to watch Mortal Kombat on Friday. Um, so I don't think I, I mean I, I I'm very much looking forward to it. I am going to watch it, but I don't think I'm going to watch it Friday because I'm supposed to have a watch party with some people. Uh, For, a, a watch party of Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we're all really excited. What do you think? Just I you know. Just throwing it out there. Do you think it'll be better or worse than the original Mortal Kombat movie from 1990? 110% think it's going to be better. Really? 110%. Okay. okay. I think it's got it's got some things working against it. Um, you know, but I I like how they're doing. So I think the biggest issue with the original Mortal Kombat movie from 1995 was that uh the animation, the graphics were not so good. Sure. You know, they had characters like Goro that looked stupid in plastic. Sure. They had Reptile that was just a ridiculous piece of shit. Or that <laughs> oh, I forgot one? about that. The camouflaging lizard. Yeah. But um anyway, it was it was Mui Terrible. But this one, in my opinion, looks good because I feel like even the supernatural shit is they they try to base it more in reality, um, which I think is good. And more than that, I'm trying to find his name. Hiro, Hiroyuki Sanada is he's in a, this. He's amazing. Oh my god, love that dude. Best casting choice. The one downfall is that they didn't cast, and I'm gonna. I have to look up his name because I I know the dude. The guy he's who played Sang Sung. The guy that played Sang Sung in the first one. They yep. should just recast Shang, him. Shang Sung. Yeah, because okay. he still looks exactly the goddamn Your same. Soul is mine. <laughs> Yeah, and he's perfect for the role. He absolutely he he's is so, Shang Tsung. Well, he he's is. so perfect for the role that they've actually used him in the video games. They've used Correct. his likeness in the video games because he is Shang Tsung. When, when I'm I know, I I agree. He's Carrie Hero Yuki. They're both Hero Yukis. Look at that. He's flawless. Carrie Hero Yuki Tagawa. He's he's flawless as that character. Like I don't know yes. how anybody else could fill that role, but yes, uh, Goro looks good in this one. Yes. And Kano doesn't have a metal plate on his face, though. Uh, doesn't he? I didn't see it in the preview. You sure? I, that, the, the trailer ends with him saying, Kano wins, bloody whatever, and it's just... Yeah, I thought he definitely had metal in the red eye and everything. Uh, maybe there that was a short moment of it, but no. Did you watch the Red Band trailer? Uh, I watched it with the day, I watched it when it dropped. I think that was the Red Band trailer. Okay. Yeah, Maybe I'm crazy. Sure. I'm fairly certain. I remarked in my brain like he doesn't have red on his Well, face. somehow, this movie hasn't even come out, but there are 275 photos already. So, you know, if we actually want to take the time, I'm sure. See, okay, now wait. See, here, here this, this I think is Kano. So you're right. I don't see metal. He's got some scars. He's got a red eye. Maybe he gets metal later in the movie. I'm assuming he, just like Scorpion becomes Scorpion. Yeah. Um. I'm sure Kano. Anyways, this is our podcast about Mortal Kombat. That I'm sure there is a Mortal Kombat podcast. I mean, if not, that's that's two movies, where we're going. Right eleven there. games. I mean, yeah. What what was our other podcast supposed to be about? Every, Dane Cook. Like, like every yeah. Well, of course the Dane <laughs> Cook one. But I mean, maybe after we're done with all this D and D stuff, we can just do a weekly podcast where it's something different each week. Dane Cook and Mortal Kombat. Dane Cook and Combat. Dane. Com- Mortal Somebody Cook. killed Dane Cook. No, he he's like lost a bunch of money and had to get it all back. Oh his, no, his brother! Like his brother-in-law like stole it all. Do you remember, do you remember the movie Mr. Brooks with Dane Cook and Kevin Costner? Uh, vaguely. Where Kevin Costner is a serial killer 
and Dan Cook wants to be a serial killer, so he's like apprenticing under him. Yes, 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 yes. Laura Bailey's in that movie. Yes, I know. She's just she has a thirty second scene as a airline steward neighbor yeah. in an apartment or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Real, real cool. I, I, I it's the only reason I know that we did watch that in the last like year. Or so, yeah, so. yeah. There you go. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, we are going on a particular adventure to a particular town today. Um, I don't know if we're gonna get the whole thing in. I think. I think we will, because it actually, in my opinion, is much easier to talk about this adventure than any of the other ones we've talked about. So I was thinking the exact opposite as I was reading it and making my notes. Okay. Well, go ahead. Start us off. I mean, uh, how many pages is it? I don't know. I don't do it's, pages. It's shorter. It's from levels 1 to 10. Yeah. Right, we know that right off the bat. Yep. So, in theory, cool. It's not a, it's not a whole campaign, right? It's kind of a encapsulated mm-hmm. adventure. Mm-hmm. The... <clears throat> the thing that separates this from almost everything we've talked about so far is this is a role-play heavy adventure. Okay. It's so a Tyler, story, story heavy adventure. What story are we talking about? We, the story. We haven't, the name, we haven't given the name of the adventure yet. The adventure so. and the spoilers you're going to hear about today are for the Curse of Strahd. Oh, oh, oh. Which, my very first note is, Strahd is fucked up. It would be very challenging to role-play him as he is intended. See... I actually, well, I mean, I guess it depends on who you are, but I think he's one of the best bad guys to role play. I think it'd be great. I think no, it'd be a lot of I'm fun. I'm not saying it wouldn't be super fun and be awesome to be Strahd, but if you wanted to nail Strahd as he's described in his history and his background and his present and yeah. his like arrogance yeah. and his yeah. insanity, he's a romantic, he's a tortured genius. Like, yeah. every, it'd be super challenging to nail. I, I couldn't differ more. Than I think we're going to disagree on this a lot. Okay. I, th- I think this is going to be the episode where we don't see eye to eye on an adventure. How are you thinking that Strahd is easy to role play? He reminds me of a young me. It's perfect. No, I don't know. I mean, I just think that he's he's an easy character to understand because he is based off of a whole lot of history and media. I, I am. Mean, um... he, he, yeah, you watch, you know, uh, Gary Oldman in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Great example of this exact kind of character. Um, uh, don't watch uh, Queen the Damned from 2005, but watch uh, Interview with the Vampire from 1998 or 99. Fucking Tom Cruise's Lestat. Great example of a guy that just doesn't young, give a fuck. A young um, Kirsten Dunst. Who is that? Kirsten Dunst is in there. Yeah. Brad Pitt. Antonio Banderas. Yeah. Oh, and... Uh... Who's the who's the writer? Um, oh, Anne Rice. No, in the movie. Oh, oh, Christian Slater. Christian Slater. Is the, thank the you. The interviewer of the yeah yeah, yeah of He's Louis the, the vampire. Yes. Vampire. I'm having a trouble uh, pulling up my copy of Curse of Strahd at this exact moment. I couldn't get it. I was trying to do this entire time, and it's just not. I'm having technical no issues. Worries. Okay. No worries. So I think probably as we get right into this, um, in the introduction, it very clearly states to every DM out there. Read the entire thing before you start this, because as opposed to the first adventures that we talked about, this one is very much like a homebrew. It's very open ended. It's very sandboxy. Like this is a small world. You know, Barovia is a very small world in which you are going to play this entire campaign. Yes. But anyone can go anywhere at any time. If you want to be level one and storm the fucking castle, you can. We, of course, are referring to the adventure as written. I know there's been a lot of readings of this as problematic for representations of certain groups in this, um, but we're just going to refer to it as is in the printing of the book. Yes, We're not going to make changes for that. Whichever edition is on D&D Beyond, that's the one I read, so... Right, exactly. So you're correct. It... The players, regardless of the plot hook, basically encounter a fog, a mist, and then they're in Barovia. Yes, and there's, you know, any number of ways they can get there. There can be a letter that gets sent for them, and then they get, you know, they get to this area, and then suddenly they're just there, and it's like, oh, well, fuck. Uh, they could be hunting werewolves. There could be voices that they're hearing. All kinds of things. When you're the DM, just think of the creepiest way you can to get somebody to do something, and that is what should draw them in. Um, but, yeah, you know, uh, in Chapter 1, you get a lot. The DM gets a lot of background on Strahd for the so exact reasons you brought up, because you have to role play it right. And it's you, it's even noted like Strahd wants Strahd's goals are laid out there, right? But he yeah. wants to like he wants to be involved in the story. He's not a big bad in the background hiding, waiting for his master plan. He should show up. 
several times before the end of the adventure and like fuck around with the players and like yeah. torture them and fight them. I like the idea. Uh, so obviously there's the Claire once he's trying to either turn Irina Koliana because he thinks that it's the reincarnation of his past bride. Mm -hmm. He's trying to find Van Richten, the vampire hunter. Van Helsing. Um, yeah, essentially. <laughs> um, but I think my favorite one is that he's searching for a successor or consort, which could be you, the PC. You know, I love that as a motivating factor. But again, spoilers about this. He inevitably concludes no matter what that no one can succeed him as exactly but that does but I, I read that too but i'm like it's not saying that they can't see him as a consort like no you come in as a sexy lawful evil you know oath of conquest paladin maybe Strahd takes a shine to you sure sure absolutely right he could find somebody to like turn into a vampire and keep in the crypts basically yeah. you're dead that's the end you know you're dead um but he he will not conclude that you could succeed him and even if he did it wouldn't matter yes which is part of the whole fucking adventure but. but the rest of chapter one is all about essentially in my opinion the entire game the, the, the entire game gets laid out for about? you in chapter one when you get your fortune read yeah uh this is kind of a wild mechanic in chapter one where you're supposed to like do a tarot card reading yes which yes. it it lays out kind of where a bunch of stuff is and it, no, like, it doesn't lay out where a bunch of stuff it is. It lays out where literally everything in this game is. Now it's going to do it in a in a uh, well cryptic fashion, so that you don't know exactly what's happening. But essentially, there are five things that you learn in this tarot card reading. Yeah. One, where Strahd is inside of Castle Ravenloft, which is you know important if you're trying to hunt a vampire. It's good to know where they are. Two, three, four. It's the location of three very important treasures or relics. I don't remember what the book calls them. Um, Artifacts. To be used. The Tome of Strahd, the Holy Symbol of Ravenkind, and a Sun Sword. You know, obviously a Sun Sword is pretty good when fighting vampires. And then finally, it's the identity of a powerful ally in the fight against Strahd. So you lay out the cards, you do this tarot reading, and you you give them answers like very cryptic answers like this card tells of history, knowledge of the ancient will help you better understand your enemy. Well, Does you're supposed really... to do you're supposed to do the tarot card reading for yourself before the adventure to like yeah tell then, you well, where everything is that yeah it tells you but you do it for them as like a show yeah like, exactly th th as this you know obviously you know the answers but. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you as the DM are about to get excited about the things you find out. <laughs> I mean, who fucking so, knows? So yeah, there's a lot of text going through what all the cards mean to try and help the characters find all the various shit. And that actually is a really big part of it because um, something I really love in this adventure is they there's a little paragraph that says you might consider using milestones to level in this mm -hmm. and not just any old milestones, milestones specifically when they like take specific actions, like finding artifacts or yeah. defeating specific villains or accomplishing story goals, like making alliances. Like you find one of those artifacts, bam, you level up immediately. Like regardless of what's happened, I kind of love that use of milestones which tied to very specific things that you could do in the adventure. Yes. And um, it tells you like, the adventurer is like, well, if this is how we're leveling up, we should do X amount of this, right? Mm -hmm. Before going and fighting the fucking guy over there. Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree. I, I love the fortune telling aspect of this because it actually kind of makes the entire campaign replayable. Nothing's going to be agree. in the same place twice. Yeah. Like, yes, honestly, just going into the game, you know, Strahd's the bad guy. You, you know, whatever Strahd wants is bad. You know, you don't need, you can replay the game 20 times and that will always be constant. But where these weapons are, who you interact with to get them, the alliances How you, you make, interact with them. That's going to be completely different. Well, like you're not going to use this entire book in any single playthrough. That's kind of my question is after reading this, I'm like, okay, what's the adventure, right? And the adventure is effectively getting out of Barovia. Yep. Everything else is secondary. You end up in the mist, you're like, where the fuck am I? And everything is like, okay, we need to leave now. And the way to do that becomes, well, we need to destroy Strahd. Everything else is secondary. And before you think the things that I thought, no, you can't teleport out. No. Well, because we talked about this briefly in another episode, Barovia, 
And when you're reading the backstory, essentially Strahd made a deal with some dark powers. And when he killed his brother and his brother's bride-to-be, finalized that pact, became a vampire, and Barovia as a little tiny nation was ripped into a demiplane all on its own. And now nobody can leave. And it's so specific. And I love that they did this. You can't do things like plane shift. You can't astral project. Obviously, you can't teleport. And you can't even banish creatures in this. You, they can't be banished to another plane of existence from so this plane. Part of that is just they belong here now. Not only that, but that way, uh, you know, the human from the Forgotten Realms can't just say, I banish myself to back to your home plane. Correct. Which I think is great. Because yeah, you actually they... could get banishment at level, what, seven? Uh, so, it's a, it's a fourth third level spell. spell. Fourth, fourth level, level spell. spell. Yeah. Yeah, they th- they thought of it all because they want you to be stuck here. They, that's exactly. The this entire campaign, and I think we, I mean, we're gonna just, I think we can go just talk about the campaign as opposed to going specifically this, this, this. Well, because... that's my next point is if you follow the like level progression that it suggests, there's a little table that says, well, if they're this level, this is the chapter yep. you should be in, right? And this is the this is the chapter order for the adventure if you're maintaining standard level progression. Chapter 3, then to 5, then to 6, 8, 12, 11, 14, 7, 15, 9, 10, 4, 13. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yes. you know, like the natural order that chapters uh-huh. should take in an adventure. But because of, uh, because of, you know, the openness of the campaign, you know, they just wrote it in, this is this chapter, this is this chapter, this is this chapter. Right. And, you know. There's so I, many I, things I, that can kill you in this book, too, that, like, if oh, you yeah. wandered into the wrong place. But interestingly enough, um, as I was reading through this, the one note I made to myself was the random encounters in this actually aren't that bad. No, except unless you encounter, like, dire wolves or werewolves or whatever when you get further Even in. Even then, I mean, like, in, in every other adventure that we've read, there are literal, like, you're dead encounters like you know there's the dragon turtle in the prince of the apocalypse there are literal just demon princes that show up in out of the abyss here it's just like you have uh at one point a one in 20 chance of just randomly running into strad instead of it being purposeful by strad deciding when to find there are a couple scripted encounters that i looked at i was like what the fuck but generally the random ones aren't that bad yeah um so yeah i the entire point of the you not being able to teleport, you know, and being stuck in this mist, it's just to inspire a feeling of hopelessness. Well, they tell characters. you to describe everything that way. Like, everything should be creepy. When this bad guys book, come at the mist, you should describe it in a terrible way. Like, everything yeah. should be cold and dark and sad. Everybody, yeah. everybody in this Barovia, like, has a mental illness, whether it's depression or whatever. They're Something. all fucked up. Yeah. Um... I remember what I was going to say. Oh, there's, you know, there's 15 chapters in this book, but honestly, and I'd say, yeah, there, and there's, you know, appendices and whatnot, but I'd say a solid 30% of any given chapter is just them describing how horrible shit is. Yes, I would agree, right? This person's gone mad, meaning crazy, because of this, and their kid died, and they were buried in the back, but all the graves have been robbed, and like, it's, it's so heavy. Yes. Which is why it's a story-heavy, role-play-heavy adventure, not so much a combat-heavy adventure. We're, but don't get it twisted. The combat is intense. Yes. And like, the maps for the dungeons are great. It's that, like Honestly, as I was reading this, I'm like, this is a pre-made that I think Tyler would have a lot of fun DMing because it fits his I style. I was thinking that the whole time. Like, this would be you awesome. Know, <laughs> you know, very role-play-heavy and minimal combat. But when the combat comes, it fucking comes hard. When the bass drops, baby. Yeah. So you start the adventure in not the nation of Barovia, but the town of Barovia. The village of Barovia. Which, you know, you could, yeah, you could run right up to the castle. And like, knock, knock, motherfucker. I love in in chapter three, the first line of chapter three, the village of Barovia is the saddest place in the land. It's really. <laughs> Just that's how you're starting this game off. You know, you got trapped in the mist. Your fortune got told where you need to go, what you need to find, etc. You walk on this very lonely road. You hear wolves, you know, bats swarming everywhere. You might see a zombie shambling. And then you walk up to the first place you can find, uh, this first place of refuge, the village of Barovia, the saddest place in the land. Most of it's abandoned or unwelcoming. Like, 
you can randomly go to buildings that are full of zombies or oh, rats. Yeah. Rats which are spies for Strahd or just empty or just full of humans who are cowering from everything. Or zombies. Yeah, Strahd zombies specifically. Strahd zombies, very specifically, which are fucking not easy to fight. Because not only are they zombies which are hard to kill, they break apart into pieces which fight you still. Which like fight zomb- you. zombie arm from yeah. Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. Good work, right? zombie arm. Good work, zombie arm. So, I mean, I don't know... I know you can't leave Barovia, but why would you stay in the town of Barovia? <laughs> yeah, so so the village itself, I you're here. Honestly, maybe to get some information, maybe to rest and just try and get a bearing on where you're at. Um well, there you can are... meet a couple important people here. Yeah, no, there's there's so and I think this is gonna be my my point for the story. We're gonna talk about NPCs and we're gonna talk about places, but honestly. If it's not brought up in your tarot reading, it doesn't actually matter to your story how this all goes down. Yeah, more or less. I mean, in this town, you can meet Irina, who matters for the story. Who who matters only in so much as you know that you learn quickly that Strahd wants her. Yes. Which you can so, use to your advantage. Exactly. But unless she is foretold to be an ally of yours, you don't need her in the big scheme of things. And also, you know, again, spoiler-heavy episode, it's not that much farther late in the adventure where, like, if you're wandering through the woods with Arena, you just come across, like, a pond where Strahd's dead brother's spirit, Sergei, can just dude. take her away, and she's dude. and her story is done. Dude, dude, I'm sitting here, and that's in chapter eight. Chapter eight. I, yeah, chapter eight. Uh, and I just put the line, I love that the best way to save Ileana is to let her drown in a pool with her former life's lover spirit. Yeah, just a ghost can pull her into the lake, and you if you let her go, that's a win. That's a win. Strahd can't get to her there. He gets mad and like sends like thunderclouds and lightning. Lightning blasts the gazebo. If you're in the pond trying to rescue her at that time, Zzz. you get electrocuted. A lot of lightning in this adventure, by the way. Oh, I love it. But yeah, Which just, actually brings up another point. I absolutely positively, and I'm trying to think of the first time you meet them, uh, looks like about chapter 10, chapter 11, somewhere around there. I love the idea of the evil druids They're in this up. land. They're dumb. I love it. Like, they, they worship Strahd because he can control the weather. Correct. I love that. I love that that's how we make evil druids in D&D. And they have a effigy of him, basically, which they use but are intending to use to summon a giant tree blight oh, to kill huge, their enemies. Huge tree blight to just stomp over the land. Um, I got to tell you, know. you, so there's a lot of bad things that happen, right? But every, every, so you go to, you go to Barovia and you kind of are led through your, through your prediction, through your fortune and through the people here um, to a lot of other places, but almost every place you go, these people want wine. Yes. And the tr- the, tr- the the blight is going to go destroy like in the druids like they're destroying all the wine. So they're really, I think the druids are the true bad guys in Barovia. Dude, <laughs> dude, I you know, and and obviously you know, as we're talking about this, I feel like this is going to be a great adventure for us just to talk about as opposed to going chapter by chapter reviewing yeah, it. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I was so. I don't know what the best word is. I, I I don't know if there's a great way to describe excited and shocked and appalled at the same time. By what? By the hags and their dream patients. What the kidnapping the children? They don't. No, 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 no. They don't kidnap children. So essentially, these they're dream sold pastries, children. No, they don't steal them. So no, they're so, they're, they're sold, not yes, sold. They're well, sold kind of. children. So they they make these dream pastries and they sell them. They're gold a piece. They're not. They're expensive to a common person. Sure. And they allow a person to just go incapacitated, unconscious, in a trance for like 2D4 plus 4 hours to just get away from it all. It's drugs. It's heroin. It's so much better. So you do this. You go off. And you kind of just want to be there all the time. So you keep trying to buy the pastries. Eventually, you run out of money because you're broke as fuck. So you give them your kids because you just want to be away from it all. Fun fact, the pastries are made out of the bones of innocent kids. Correct. It's it, a perfect cycle. It's even described in here like players might see the hag. I forget what her fake name is. You know, taking yeah. a kid, stuffing it in a sack and yep. strapping it to her cart. And this little side note, if confronted about the kid, she will let the kid go knowing she can just come back later and steal it again. Yep. 
like She'll sell another pastry and get it back. She's like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, no, I'll, oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I kidnapped the kid. Oh my god, like I'll just come back later. So you know, I made a joke earlier, Van Helsing, right? So much of this is like pulled from existing storylines. Van Richten is Van Helsing. That hag is like Baba Yaga, right? Strahd is Dracula. Esmeralda is um whatever Van Helsing's like lady's name is. There's so many characters in this that are pulled from popular culture. But there's one character who's like almost a almost a footnote in this that I really mm-hmm. really am just like it, it made me it made my heart swell. You could have a random encounter with the Mad Mage. Oh my God! So so oh my God! So yeah 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 no. <laughs> so not not only it might not even be a random encounter. Like he might be your ally, which is my favorite thing in the world. Yes, and he's crazy. He's absolutely insane. Uh, he has no idea who he is. Right. If you are able to restore his brain, which is temporary at first, but I, if I'm not mistaken, you can actually make it permanent. It's just Mordenkainen. Morden fucking kind. It's like a named wizard, legendary wizard from D and D history. It's just tra- has been trapped here in Barovia. Only a challenge rating twelve. I mean, well, because he uses you know the archmage stats or whatever it is. No, I, no, I, they, they, he has a specific stat block. Isn't it based on the archmage stat? Yeah, block? but but he has different spells and like obviously you know Strahd's based on a vampire, but he levels up as be Strahd. I know. I was just kind of like shocked. Like, oh, that's... I was. I was blown away when I read oh, that. Okay, all right, we're just we're going there, huh? We're just gonna do that. All right, word, 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 and, word. And if you're lucky enough to have him now, if you don't get him as your fortune ally, re-roll. <laughs> a, a re-roll. B. He won't come with you. He doesn't give a fuck about anything else. He doesn't care. No. But if you got him as your fortune ally and you tell him that he's along for the ride, baby, he'll he won't come with you the entire time. But he will help you fight Strahd. Mind you, level 12 is the most powerful you could possibly be uh, in this adventure, considering it goes to level 10. Dude's got... yeah. Well, also, dude's got time stop, so you know, yes. that goes a long way in fighting anything. So there's a lot of great encounters with NPCs in this. Um, like, you could... You know, the, the woman selling the dream pastries, you can go to her little swamp, and mm-hmm. she's got Baba Yaga's house. It's a it's a cabin that walks, although it's not on chicken legs, but hut. it walks around. Baba Lissaga. She also has, you know how in the Mario games when you fight um, Bowser, he has like a floating smiley face little hovercraft that he throws yeah. things out of? Yeah. She has that, but it's an upside down giant skull that she can float around in. Mm-hmm. She has a hovercraft. She has a little skull hovercraft, which I the think fuck, is hilarious. The fucking hag coven would be such a bitch to deal with on top of having to deal with Bob. Like they're in two different places and having to deal with both of them would just suck. Especially considering Baba Yaga, Baba Yasaga, I think is what they call her here. She's like, she's got a lot of shit going on in her story. Mm-hmm. I think she's arguably like the most interesting, like like mini villain in this, because she's basically okay. sending scarecrows everywhere to fight people. Yes, that's cool. As fuck. Luring were ravens and were rats to her to to capture them and kill them to like that fuck have, with Strahd. That I didn't really figure out like why, like, but is that really doing anything? No, like, why do you she, pick the she's kind thing? of just malicious about it. Yeah. But um, then she also ends up having one of the, I talked about the winery earlier, one of like the important, powerful gemstones that the winery needs. Like if people of Barovia want happiness, they drink their happiness and that's gone away as the adventure starts. And she's partially responsible for it. She's kind of got like a. She's got a lot of. She got her, you know, her fingers in a lot of pots, so to speak. Yes. Yes. And I love her. So I was looking um, about this winery, right? The Wizards of Wine uh-huh. is Barovia's winery. They make three different wines. One is shitty. One is okay. One is great. The great one is, uh, it's a champagne, which implies that France exists in D and D, right? Because champagne is only champagne if it's from Champagne, France. Would you like some more champagne? Champagne. Um. Where was I going with this? But the Wizards of Wine is only successful in Barovia because long ago, a long forgotten wizard planted three pine cone like gemstones in the soil to make it really fertile. Mm-hmm. One was stolen by the Druids. One was stolen by Babisyaga. Another one, which is the first one to get stolen, nobody knows who it was stolen by. And it's never revealed in the adventure who stole it. And Jeremy Crawford, when tweeted out about this, said, yeah, we did that on purpose. Uh-huh. 
for you, the DM, to just be like, okay, I guess I can fucking, if you really want to restore the, the winery to full power, I will I will make another un, unlisted mini adventure. Yep. So there's like, there's there's deliberate room in this for you to play around even more than already able to play around. See, see, you're talking about Bob the Saga and uh, how she's your favorite mini boss. Yeah. I, I got two others that I think are just so much more interesting because they couldn't be like they're they're um uh what what, what's the term they're they're oxymorons they're oxymorons okay so my two favorite are the abbot that is actually a diva that is somehow evil and in league trying to please strahd dude the abbey is fucked up like like the idea of a lawful good creature becoming lawful evil and making the bride of fucking Strahd out in out from a flesh golem. Like it, it's it's such a cool fucking little story. And I honestly love that it, if you do one simple thing, which is find a nice wedding dress for the bride, you can get a raised dead from the diva anytime you want. That whole area with the mongrel folk, which are like yeah. oh my disgusting God. mongrel folk, first oh. of all. Oh, it's yeah. such a cool little area. What chapter is that? Chapter eight. Chapter eight. I think. Yeah, chapter. Uh, it's my just after Kazek. Uh, chapter Krezek, eight Krezek, is Krezek. straight up fucked up, is what I put. So that. Makes oh sense. yes. Yeah, the Abbey is protected by these. It's you know, you, if, the, if the adventures go to Kreshk to search for the Abbey to hide Arena there, or for any other reason. Uh, first of all, the guy at the burger burger master, the mm-hmm. you know, the mayor of Kreshk, does not want to let them in. And he only lets them in if they go get them wine, right? Yep. Everybody wants wine. But they can go through Kreshk and then up to the Abbey, which is protected by these mongrel folk. I mean, they're not mongrel folk in the way that D&D mongrel folk have been. They're like, they're like horrible, horrible chimeras. Yeah. One's like got... donkey faces and cat feet. and One's like... got a fucking lobster claw. I love that. Yeah. And they Where'd have different abilities because of their things. One of them can fly. One of them can do all sorts of shit. Yeah. One of them has dark vision. Like they... They're they're horrible. I don't like them at all. I don't like seeing them. I don't like their faces. And, and they're so like they 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 don't rebel. There's sixty of them upstairs in the abbey, and they don't rebel or fight because they're just like terrified and hoping to get a, some food. They're just living. Every oh, I mean everybody here is basically everybody in Barovia is a mongrel folk. Let's be real. If they're just terrified, hoping to get oh food. <laughs> oh, there was another great, just small segment, and I don't remember exact. I think it's in this town, and that's why it's sparking my memory. Um, where uh, it might be here or somewhere else, where a baroness uh, helps give birth uh, to a child, and when the child doesn't cry, she's like, "Oh, how sad! This one doesn't have a soul," <laughs> because it's assumed that if a baby doesn't cry when it's born, yeah. it doesn't have a soul. Which yeah. in the book, it really says is accurate. <laughs> a Barovian child that does not cry when it is born is born without a soul. I believe it. Right. Why would you have why would you have babies if you lived here? Cuz you got what what do you got to do? You got fucking. That's it. And when you fuck you make babies. It's the way of the world, baby. I don't know, man. Like if I'm in Barovia cuz there's all sorts of backstories and uh, p- players should learn about about like previous attempts to destroy Strahd and rebellions against Strahd and his war and how he came mm-hmm. to occupy this place. Like people have tried over and over again to get out of here, but I think we're well past that point. Especially considering the people who fight against Strahd get he does not just kill them. He doesn't yeah. kill them usually. Yeah. He like kills the ones they love and fucks mm-hmm. with them forever. Makes them vampire spawn and puts them in the basement of the Very church. Very beginning of the adventure. Oh, In Barovia, in the town. You could go to the um, church. <laughs> and you could find the guy running the church. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. It's something, you know, Barovia-ish. Yeah. And you go in. It's empty. But you hear screaming and yelling, Dad, Daddy, I'm, hungry, I'm hungry, from below. And you find that the, the the priest has chained up his son, who's a vampire spawn turned by Strahd, and just keeps him in the basement. Starving him, but he's never going to die because he's a vampire Correct. Spawn. Correct. Because he can't bring himself to kill him. And if you kill him, he is basically the dad is basically useless to you then. Yes. You have to either like take the son out and give him blood so that he calms the fuck down. Or fucking, like, just kidnap the dad and take him far away from it and make sure he never knows that your son, that his son's dead. It, it's, it's crazy. Str- Strahd is evil. 
Yes. Strahd is very, very Yes, evil. you really have to t- tap into your inner sociopath to play Strahd. But also your inner romantic. Yeah. Because he, um, he's been uh, making consorts all along. Like he just, like, you know, bangs out women and sucks their blood and so, turns into a vampire spawn. But, he's, but uh, he's, he's had one love his whole life, and he's just trying uh, to get her back. Another great example of um, somebody that's uh, utterly insane and a romantic, and I'm trying to get the title of the movie to make sure I got it right. Uh, nope, it must be the other one then. Con Air. No. Uh, I think it's just called... It's not Cape Fear. That's the one with Robert De Niro. I think it's just Fear with Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. So Mark Wahlberg is this totally insane dude that just falls in love with Reese Witherspoon's character and becomes obsessed with her, but he's a terrible fucking murderer. Natch. Yeah, so. And women don't want to be with murderers. Great example of a romantic sociopath. That's a pro tip for all you guys out there who or girls who are looking to meet a lady. They're not big into murderers. Think if Dexter went evil. Dexter is evil. Dexter's not evil. Dexter's we, lawful that's another evil. podcast discussion for another Dexter's time. lawful evil. We're gonna well, this is again, we're gonna discuss this another time. No, we're not. Dexter is lawful evil. He kills bad guys. De- that's the lawful part. He has a code, but he no, is lawful no, evil. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No. A paladin that kills bad guys is still good. No, he's not. Adventurers that kill people can still be good. Not murdering people. What, what do you mean? What's the difference between murdering and killing them? What's the difference? If I, if we're fighting, like if we're fighting, yeah. right? And it, it, one of us happens to kill the other because you're fighting. That's different than me sneaking into your home, drugging you, tying you up, torturing you, and then killing you. The only reason that Dexter does all that is because he doesn't have unlimited hit points like an adventurer, baby. Dexter's lawful evil. The podcast is, the podcast is over. We're starting a new podcast. Anyway. All right, so... You know, let's get to the bigger the bigger things in this adventure because we're so, running out of time. So, here. yeah, we have plenty of time. One other, the mean? other, the other, I had two oxymorons. One was the angel that's now a bad guy. Sure. And the second one is the friendly lich. The friendly lich. That's exactly where I was going to go. The Amber Temple. The Amber Temple, home of horrible things. There's a uh, there's a demon right guarding the front gate. It's a not Chandra a demon. Twelve uh, Yugoloth. It's I believe. Not a demon. Yugoloth. Okay, what well, different? You. you know why anyway. he's different? Because he's lawful evil. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I understand. You lost devils and demons are all different. I, I that is my mistake. That it encounter, actually... like you walk into the temple, there's a giant statue with darkness, magical darkness, all yeah. around its face, from which that Yugoloth will snipe you with spells because he can see through it. Mm-hmm. You can't see him. Meanwhile, there are flame skulls, Three. magic missling you from arrow slits oh, nearby. No. Not just magic missling you, fireballing you. Like, fuck this encounter. This encounter's fucked. Yeah. Completely. But if you make your way, you can run into the friendliest lich. His name is Exanthar. Exanthantar. I can't ever say that. Exanthantar. He doesn't know who he is anymore. Who? yeah. He forgot everything. He doesn't know anything. But if you cast Greater Restoration on him... He can remember some shit. It restores memory, and he's fucked. He gives you... All the passwords to all the locked doors. He'll provide any information you want pertaining to Strahd, the temple itself. And if the characters think to ask, he will give them the command words for any book in the library. Because he is evil. And this temple has become evil. And he wants to spread that evil. So he thinks players are there to gain that shit. Yeah. And then if you cast Greater Restoration again to give him all of his hit points back... He will offer to escort you through so that nothing bothers you while you're exploring the temple. So I want to talk about this tower. Uh, oh, no, not the tower. The temple. There are traps and shit, right? Oh, my God. Amber Golem. Um, uh, shield Guardian in the basement, I think. Death at every turn. Barbarians in the in the ruins. Yeah. But, like, in the basement, there are some amber sarcophagi mm-hmm. that hold... Hold on, can I find the um the description? I think I I think I'm here. Uh they the looks like a rough block of south, amber, right? right? Trapped inside the block is a sliver or wisp of utter darkness, no more than a few inches long. The darkness is the vestige of a dead and hateful god. Mm-hmm. Just trapped a shard of pure evil just trapped in the thing. 
And there's three different ones. So you get to pick which one you want to make your friend. What do you mean, three? There's there's three. There's the North Sarcophagus, the East Sarcophagus, and the South Sarcophagus. In each room. Maybe I'm in a different one. There's I'm a the million. There's a, like a dozen little sarcophagi. Okay, go ahead. And my problem with them, as much as this is fun, they you touch them, right? Mm -hmm. And they offer you a dark gift in exchange for who knows what. Like, for example, um, I offer the gift of the power to shield your mind. And like, oh, the, okay, cool. Yeah, I accept. Great. The dark form takes, the dark gift takes the form of a mind blank spell cast on the beneficiary. It has an extended duration of one year, mm -hmm. after which the gift vanishes. Um, but the cost of that is the beneficiary's eyes melt away. <laughs> yeah. Every single one of these gifts is temporary and sucks. And every single one of these punishments, with like one exception, is permanent and horrible. See, maybe, maybe that's why I went, uh, maybe that's why I wrote down these three specifically because uh, they don't really suck that much. Which um, ones? Uh, so it's in the, it's in the Ghastly Vault X33C. Uh, oh, C, okay. The north one uh, is the, uh, sarcophagus of the Rizlash, the Nine-Eyed Spider, which he gives you essentially spider climb permanently. Uh, the Dark Gift allows its beneficiary to climb difficult surfaces, including upside down on ceilings, without making an ability check. Uh, beneficiary of this Dark Gift grows an extra eye, just somewhere. The eye is blind and ever open. So just, it's, just get an extra eye somewhere. That one's pretty good. The East Sarcophagus, though, is my favorite. This vestige uh, is the gift of Dalvernar, he of the many teeth. His gift allows you, upon dying, to reincarnate upon death. Your new body appears within 10 feet of the old one, and then after it has been used three times, bam, the beneficiary of this dark gift loses all of their teeth until it re reincarnates for the third and final time. So, and the, and the last one, the south one, increases the person's charisma by four. And their like flaw is the best. All you have to do is never take no for an answer again. So those are like those are the good ones, right? Yeah. Um, for example, some of the shitty ones are <laughs> I can cast lightning bolt three times. And that's it. What's the penalty? What do you what happens? Uh one side of the beneficiary's face sags and loses all feeling. Oh, you get fucking Bell's palsy. You you have a stroke basically yeah. in part of your face, and you get to cast lightning bolt three times. Yeah, that's not so good. No, so they they're kind of generally bad. Um, the beneficiary grows skeletal wings and get a flying speed. That's cool. Sure, the beneficiary of the dark gift must eat bones or grave dirt to survive. Kind of rough, <laughs> right? So these are all to varying degrees. No bueno. Don't go here. Okay. Yeah. But Fair you enough. should be getting more treasure, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and eventually, from the Amber Temple, like being armed and ready to go there is so much fucking treasure in this campaign so much treasure so much treasure. like like so much coin like what, what's interesting is uh you know i'm reading this and i'm finding we're finding weapons we're finding wands we're finding robes coins out the ass i haven't found anywhere and maybe i just missed it or overlooked it i don't see anywhere where i find a bag of holding or a fucking portable hole not that i not that i noticed no so I've I got did, all this shit and nowhere to get. I did have a note. I wanted to say that Velaki, the one of the towns you can visit, uh, yes. fuck this village because they use Electrum. They do. They do I hope indeed. Everyone here gets eaten by Strahd. <laughs> yes. Yes. Indeed. So, like, um, they have nothing to sell, first of all, and they want Electrum for shit. So I hope this village dies. So the Baron and Baroness of Velaki are some really creepy people, um, and I feel like they they represent a very a very significant subset of the people that you meet in this campaign. Everyone in this campaign is either A, interested in, if not actively trying to, kill you. B, they think so little of you that you just aren't worth killing. Or C, they want nothing to do with you. Correct. These people, at first, are definitely in the column B, but very quickly turn to column A. If you fuck with their festival or you do anything, they will can be, fucking hunt you down. You can be arrested for not being happy in this town. Yes. <laughs> you get, um, get state-sanctioned joy and you're going to like it. Yeah, exactly. Um, it reminds me of like North Korea. It's, it, yes. 
like straight up <laughs> pretty Malachi much equals north korea um but so. there is one very 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 cool thing and one very 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 terrible thing uh that i that you find in Malachi. one is the, the good thing is the magic mirror uh, remind me of the magic mirror. I didn't make so, notes about the magic mirror. So the magic mirror is it's a very small footnote, but essentially if you read the words, you can summon from it. And if you're a non-evil spellcaster, you get an assassin that will go out and kill any one person you name. Love now, it. the limitation to that is they don't they can't kill anything that's undead or dead. They'll just respond, it's already done and disappear. Or if you don't name somebody within one round of summoning them. They just disappear. But as long as you got somebody in mind that you want dead, it's a challenge rating eight assassin. He will find them and he will kill them. Right. So um, the, some of the the traveling gypsies, I figure what they're called, Vastani, right? Yeah. Easy. Kill them, yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, and then there's uh, the creepy baronet, the, the son of the baron in his creepy attic, reading the, his creepy spell book, oh, no, trying to make guy. teleportation circles, which guess what? He's a kid. He didn't make it right. And if you try to use it, you might get disintegrated. <laughs> that whole, um, that whole town, this is fucked up. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, so wait, if an evil summoner uses the mirror. Oh, they get a ghost. The that hands tries to try to them. wrap themselves around the summoner's neck. It just tries to kill them. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> so my question to you, do, what, what, what time are we at? What do we got? How much time? We're we got? out of time. Okay, so my fine final question for you um, before we rate this thing, and well, we're gonna get this. to the epilogue, and then yeah. yeah okay. So final question for you: You're coming into this game. Sure. Are you gonna try to be a good character, or are you gonna be a neutral or evil character for this campaign? I would. Ha I assuming I'm escaping. I if I know, like I'm in Barovia. So obviously, you're a PC. You don't know the campaign. You're a PC. You're gonna play the game, but you know you're playing Curse of Strahd. I'm gonna. Try, you, I I just be by virtue of me playing the game. I don't want to be an evil character, so I'm gonna try to do good at least for a while. You know, mm -hmm. maybe I get ruined by this adventure and these people, but I gotta try I to save somebody. If you come into this game trying to be anything other than a good character, you will probably lose by virtue of making the wrong friends. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Um. So the adventure. We've skipped a lot of stuff because there's so much in this, but eventually culminates in a battle with Daddy, uh, fighting Strad Voodoo Daddy, who will, you know, he could kill you. He could kill you, but he's not going to kill you. He's going to turn you into vampire spawn and lock you up in the basement. Um, that's how he will. That's how he will win the fight. Or he'll just lock you in the basement, turn Irina into a vampire spawn, and send her down there to do the work. So. So that's if Strahd prevails. But, hey, maybe you kill him. Maybe you reduce him to zero hit points. Oh, no, he's a vampire. He turns to mist, right? So he, he yeets the fuck out to his yep. coffin. So you got to find his coffin. You got to kill him there. You kill Strahd. You kill him in his coffin. The yep. clouds part. Sunshine falls on Barovia. Happiness can return to Barovia. Everything can be great. Irina, uh, like Sergei's spirit, maybe he comes back and reunites with Irina. Everybody's happy, right? Uh, just kidding, though. After several months, the dark powers that gave Strahd vampires in the first place won't let him go and restore him to life as a vampire. Yep. To which he will immediately begin plotting revenge against you, the adventurers. Yes. Yep. And so, like, Strahd is eternal. So, yeah, uh, Strahd is eternal in the same way that Ravenloft and Barovia and the Domain of Dread is eternal. Just like the fucking Far Realms are eternal. Just like, you know, the Beastlands are eternal. Like, Strahd isn't so much a vampire or a big bad evil guy. He is a force of existence. Yeah, he is he's a manifestation of some unnamed evil in yeah. the multiverse. Yeah. And... I think that's why part of why this adventure is great because like okay you guys won congratulations great but later once you've moved on to something else homebrew guess what Strahd shows up kills you exactly I love I love that idea like he finds a way to escape Barovia or lure you back there and fucking kills you and it wouldn't be 
hard to get people back into it. But then honestly, like I love the idea of, okay, you know, you play this, you go from this to a homebrew and then you come back to this. Yes. You're, you're at level, you know, 15 or whatever. And you come back and it's like, okay, a, we know what's going on. B we're fucking buff. You know, let's right the wrongs. Let's let's fix some of the shit that we might have fucked up the first time around. Yeah, but now everything else is going to be buffed too. Strahd's, well, yeah. You know, so let's say that everything. you didn't stop the druids and the tree blight is just running wild. Well, let's go deal with that. And let's maybe we have a druid in our party now that can fix the land and shit like that. You know, I, I feel like there's a lot of fun things to do afterwards. Absolutely. I feel like so this is a campaign I'm, you could revisit. I actually look forward to the now after going through this adventure, the um, the Barovia, the Strahd compendium thing that's yes. coming out. Von Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Yeah, I think that's going to be a really cool um, little book after reading this. So I'm actually a little more hyped for that. Amen. All right. Uh, you know, I think I'm going to rate this very highly as yes. a venture. You know, it's up there. For uh, both if, PCs and the DM. I think yeah. the DM gets so many fun opportunities to role play and make the adventure their own. And the PCs get so many opportunities for treasure and cool encounters and magic and stuff. Yes. And like encountering cool people. I don't think... As long for the rest of the adventure we read, I don't think any other one will be like this. No, I agree. I think this is well. This is this is you know based on an old one that already existed. Um, and it's 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 really high. I can't. I haven't played it, so I can't give it a ten out of ten. But it's up there for sure. I played the first half of it, and I can give it a ten out of ten. Yeah, yeah. So you know, recommend the show. Recommends everybody play this. You know, give us feedback. I've I've heard from some people who've played it and and really absolutely love it. Um, but a lot of people get confused by it as well, or just die to Strahd. Mm-hmm. But, you know, big, big, big 10, big props to this one. Okay. That was fun. I think that was a fun review of The Curse of Thrad. Make sure to make sure to subscribe and rate the show wherever you found it. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. And feel free to send us topics that you want to hear about or your D&D rants at rwdpodcast at gmail.com. As always, we will see you next time. Till then. Goodbye.